Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Tuesday afternoon on the show today. We will get in to some Big 12 basketball. Texas has the week off. They don't play again until a huge matchup with Houston in Houston on Saturday. But the Big 12 action is continuing with a pretty big win. I'd say an upset. I'd say an upset on the road or at home. Uh, for the team that pulls the upset last night. We'll get into that. Some more games tonight. The NBA action was happening last night. Wimby did something pretty unbelievable again in the NBA. We'll get into all of that. Patrick's big fat poll of the day. Enjoying uh, bringing you guys on board with the show. Uh, the Combine invites are out. Another good piece of news, including that one for the Texas Longhorns. Keep going on about the Super Bowl. Little more thoughts about the Cowboys and what they need to do this offseason, and a little draft talk as we get there. For the next few months, we'll be kind of sliding in draft talk as well because, uh, you know, we still want to talk football with you guys, and as long as you guys want to talk football, we'll do it. And you know how you guys can talk with us 512 447 3776. 512 447 3776 is the text line number. You guys drive the show, I just try to keep it on the rails, and that means. Whatever you guys want to talk about, we will talk about on the show. You just throw it on there and we'll talk with you. You know, if you have hot takes, if you have theories about what your team needs to do to be competitive, now that we're done with the Super Bowl, if if you know how to get there next season, if you're a big NBA fan, you know how. You're your Rockets or your Mavs or your Spurs or whatever team you root for. If you know how they got to get there and what they got to do, I'd love to hear your theories and your takes of what needs to happen and we can have that discussion if you're a Texas basketball fan, where are they going to be going in the next few weeks with a tough road matchup? Keep sending those in. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Uh, we will get into more college football talk, more NFL talk, more Super Bowl talk, all of that in hour two in uh, the 5 o'clock hour. But if you guys have text messages you want to send in, we may get into it a little bit sooner. Uh, but uh, I do want to start off. Uh, I, I hope everybody's having a good Tuesday now. I look. I was out yesterday doing a few errands too after you know the game and, and dealing with stuff. I, I'm still very much on board that the Monday after the Super Bowl should be a national holiday, while we all digest the food and the drinks and the and the game. And you know, it seemed traffic seemed pretty light last night. I think it's some people either they're working from home or they took it off. They said, you know what, the day after the Super Bowl should be a national holiday. The most watched telecast and TV history, I believe, is what they said. And uh, and if you can't have that, be a holiday afterwards. And we all decided we're going to watch this game. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to hang out with friends. And uh, let's just have a day off the next day. And everybody can mentally get back in the right frame of mind to go back into work when football season's over. But no, we you know, and I'll still come in. I'll still do my job for you guys. But I... I hope some of you got to take the day off yesterday. I hope some of you uh, got to enjoy uh, not going into work the day after the Super Bowl or, or working from home or whatever you got to do yesterday because I did notice the roads were light, the stores were light. Everything seemed a little less crowded yesterday, which is always a plus. Uh, you know, I get to have a, you know unusual schedule 
where you know I work, I work, and I do work throughout the day, but I do some stuff from the house, and then I'm doing stuff here at the studio, and then I'm doing the show, and then I have some more stuff I have to do after the show. So there's a lot, but I, you know, in between, I can take breaks and go and go to the store. So I usually can find times that aren't so bad. But uh, but yesterday it was even lighter than normal everywhere I went. So I'm assuming some people took it off. You businesses just need to learn national holiday day after the Super Bowl. I'm on, I'm on board for it. Uh, let's talk some uh, college basketball though to start off the show. And uh, if you know a team that did, I, one of these teams may have taken a holiday. It seems like one of these teams took a holiday. There was a couple games yesterday in the Big 12. Of course, a big win was number six Kansas heading to Texas Tech, heading to Lubbock, and a matchup that you wanted to see. This Texas Tech team has had a little bit of problem, uh, some health issues, and uh, just issues getting you know the shots to go down and weren't necessarily their offense was not always uh, clicking on a high level. It's done pretty well at home, but on the road it has been a subject of some criticism. Uh, they did not have that problem playing at home against a Kansas team that looked like they were starting to turn the corner and get better and better as as time was going on. They lose to Texas Tech last night, seventy nine to fifty. That is a blowout against the number six team in the country for Texas Tech. They showed up to play, and we can say Darian Williams had a game. Twelve of twelve from the field for Darian Williams. He goes four for four from three. He even went two for two for free throws. Everything he put up went in for Darian Williams in that game. He has 30 points, 11 rebounds in the game, a big reason why Texas Tech is able to get it done uh, against this Kansas team that have been playing much better, has had some struggles scoring on the road, and they did in this as well. I've talked a lot about Johnny Furphy is when you look at that Kansas team, you need him to play well because some of their other guys don't necessarily perform at a super high level, and you can tell he's just a really talented young kid uh, that has a height advantage and and is able to get inside and get himself open at points and score. He did okay in the game, but they're star players that they really want to go with. K.J. Adams goes 1 for 10. Hunter Dickinson goes 2 for 12. Dewan Harris goes 2 for 8. And the Texas Tech defense was there to play for it. And the offense showed up as well. And that carry comes together for a big win for Texas Tech, uh, showing that home court advantage in Lubbock, showing Longhorn fans it is not going to be an easy task when they have to go there in a few weeks and play Texas Tech in Lubbock. They hold them to 32% shooting and 19% from three is what Texas Tech is able to hold Kansas to. Uh, and, and then uh, it's something that's even a more outstanding stat than that to me is when a team shoots that bad, you expect them at least to have some effort rebounds. They have four offensive rebounds in the game. Kansas does. Uh, and you, you just cannot, you can't shoot as badly as Kansas did in this game and then not be able uh, to get the offensive rebound. Uh, that effort for that team this year, they just don't feel like they're a very talented team. They feel like they're a player too short. Uh, they only had a few players that really played. You know, I think they had six men who really played heavy minutes in this game for them. They just don't feel like they have the depth. They don't feel like they have the the competition in practice, maybe, to make them really push for this. You know, you get a Hunter Dickinson in who comes in from Michigan. is supposed to be one of the big transfers to come in. He's been good at moments, but hasn't shown that fire to really want to take this Kansas team where they feel like they can go. There's still time left in the season for Kansas to find the, the on-off switch and, and turn on the intensity. But that this matchup uh, going into Lubbock, for what it's worth for Texas Tech, they just sapped the will to live or the still the will to play uh, from this Kansas team because, I mean, you shoot 32% from the field and you have four offensive rebounds. Bill Self, I don't know if you even can show him this film afterwards. Like, this is a, you know, you just have to ream him for, for the rest of the week to try and get him to show any more effort when they come back out on the weekend. But that is a big win for Texas Tech. And once again, it's those road games in the Big 12. It is just hard to win on the road, and we'll see that tonight. We get a good matchup, number 25 Oklahoma at number 12 Baylor. This one it feels like a home court game as well. Oklahoma's defense has pretty been pretty good. Their offense has struggled on the road. Baylor at home, though, has looked really good. Uh, OU's 2-3 and three on the road. They're playing tonight. Uh, if we can see Missy for, te- uh, for Baylor, who had a really big 21-point game in his last outing over the weekend, if he continues to improve, for this Baylor team, that is a site that uh, Scott Drew could really like going into the tournament. If they can get those freshmen that they've been trying to play and maybe have not been playing super consistent, if they can start getting going, and that's what you take into the Big 12 tournament and into the the NCAA tournament, 
Uh, the Baylor team will be someone to look out for if those freshmen can step up because uh, they have some really good freshmen on that team. Uh, they just haven't been performing consistently at that level. We'll see if Missing can put two big games together uh, against an Oklahoma team that's pretty good. Uh, they've Every time they've looked like they're about to be done in the Big 12, they've shown signs of life. We'll see if they can show some against Baylor tonight. And then another matchup where home court's going to be talked about. Iowa State, number 10 Iowa State, is at Cincinnati. We know Iowa State can go play on the road. We know Iowa State has finishers. And that's kind of what the story of this game is going to be. We've seen with Cincinnati, they seem so close, especially at home, uh, of a team that's really competing in the Big 12. And they just haven't been able to close out games. They haven't been able to find the guys in the clutch moments for Cincinnati to close out these home games. Uh, They're going to have to figure out a way against uh, a good Iowa State team that is closing out these games, as Texas fans know. Uh, but we, you know, this is a game where I'm giving the edge to Iowa State solely in the fact that I feel it's going to be close. And when it comes down to it, Iowa State has the players to make the big plays at the end of the game. And I'm not sure that Cincinnati does. Uh, they're going to have to figure that out. But, you know, you have to use your advantage on this one. And if rebounding, if Cincinnati can get enough offensive rebounds and if Cincinnati can get – uh, enough defensive rebounds to not allow Iowa State second chance points. They can use their size and their strength and get the home court advantage on rebounding. They have a real shot in this game, but they need to make it not come down to a couple shots at the end of the game because that's where they've lost a bunch this season. They're going to be a problem in the Big 12 next season for sure, which is not a problem for Texas. But for the Big 12, uh, I think Cincinnati is close to finding itself uh, and close to getting there, they may just be a player or two away. Uh, but going into the Big 12, they look like to make this conference uh, even better. They're another one of those teams that they've brought in, that the Big 12 is going to be a really good basketball conference, even with Texas and OU leaving. That is going to be a really, really good basketball conference going forward. Over in the NBA, we saw a controversial win for the Rockets, 105-103 over the Knicks. Uh, a lot of controversy that the the Rockets are up four points with a couple minutes or a couple uh, like a minute left or so, and uh, Jalen Brunson turns it on, gets two quick shots, ties the game up. Aaron Holiday throws up a three at the buzzer off a rebound, and they call Jalen Brunson for bumping him wall after the shot is off, uh, and they give them three free throws that closes the game, and the the Rockets win after the game. The officials basically said, well, when we reviewed it, that wasn't the right call. We shouldn't have called it. Uh, so the Knicks are clearly furious about it. Uh, there is a, some major overreaction that it's the worst call ever and, and all these things. And it's a regular season game in the NBA, so I won't put it into the worst calls ever. It wasn't a good call. They missed the call. They shouldn't have called it. And, and it goes to a bigger problem in the NBA that I'm seeing more, and I see it in college basketball more now. Refs have to swallow whistles. They used to swallow whistles, and I think now that social media has gotten so on to teams and on to refs, where they're showing you the split second of every play, and and you know, well, you missed that foul, and clearly that's a call, and that needs to be a foul. Swallow your refs. Swallow your uh, your whistles, refs. Just swallow your whistles. That's the way it's always been. You know, you win it on the court. You know, and you were told. You know, everyone gets told when you're playing. Don't let the refs decide the game. You go out there and finish. Now, if it's a terrible foul and someone's really bumping them and really, you know, the shot is super altered, then maybe you have to call it. But, I mean, I there's been tons and tons of games where it comes down to it at the end and you're basically throwing a guy in the paint and hoping to get a foul call. And that's just not great basketball. It's not what you want to see. And, and calling a foul when it's a one-point game with .3 seconds left, unless it's a really big foul, it's just always kind of the wrong call because you're deciding the game with your officiating officiating because you may not call that in the first three minutes and you're going to call it at the end because it's so over scrutinized. You just have to swallow those whistles for the most part. There's a few times where you can make the call. I, as a sports fan, as I I've been on the bad side of this and the positive side as a player, I've been on the positive side and the bad side of it. it. It's infuriating for the time you're in it, but it's a much easier way to get over. It's way easier to get over uh, a no call than it is a questionable call at the end where they gave him two free throws to win the game, I'd rather be on the other side of it. I'd always rather be the one to say, well, we should have won it somewhere else, and you can't expect that whistle uh, than the one to say, well, how, how do you call that and not call, you know, how are we not at 50 free throws each when you're calling that, you know, if you're going to call that in the last play. That's all I can say there. But the Rockets were, you know, even with the call, 
We can say the Rockets hanging with the Knicks is a good sign for the Rockets. They've been having some issues with Van Vliet, has been on the bench. They've been having issues with turnovers. They shored that up. Aaron Holiday played a few more minutes as a backup uh, uh, point guard and had the ball a little bit more in clutch time, which helped out with those uh, turnovers a little bit. It shows you the Rockets are at lack of depth, but that's what, for all these young teams. Uh, you just kind of have that lack of depth is going to be an issue. Aaron Holiday does put up 18 points in the game as well. And I thought it was another decent game for Amin Thompson. Uh, your rookie that you come in, Jabari Smith's doing okay. Jalen Green's still on that level. He didn't have a great shooting night, played okay. But Amin Thompson gets 8 points, 13 rebounds. He hasn't been the most skilled player in the NBA season so far, him and his brother, but they're showing a ton of effort when they're getting out there. And that's what you can ask for from a, a rookie, especially on a young team with guys that may not always be the most effort guys, like not a shot at Jalen Green, but he is a guy that is more finesse than necessarily someone who's going to be diving for every loose ball and going up and trying to get every rebound. So to have an Amon Thompson to, to offset that is how you build a good roster. So he's showing that if you can help, uh, you know, you can start to build that offensive end. That's the easiest thing to help teach somebody is get them a little bit more uh, comfortable on the offensive end. It's really hard to teach effort. It's really hard to teach that rebounding. It's really hard to teach defense to guys who don't want to do it. So a good sign for the Rockets to be in that game and Amon Thompson have a decent game in there as well. Mavericks take care of business against the Wizards, 112-104. to Doncic, of course, again, 26 points, 11 rebounds, 15 assists, does a great job. But the, the guy they got from the Wizards, returning to the Wizards after being traded, Daniel Gafford has a game for himself as well. 16 points, 17 rebounds for Gafford, taking a part of what the Mavs wanted him to be, defensively playing some defense and getting rebounds, getting the hustle plays. He does well there. P.J. Washington, not as great in his debut as a starter. Both P.J. Washington and Gafford were starters in this game as well. Uh, both of them came in. This is what the lineup is hopefully looking forward. Uh, you know, you know, Josh Green is starting as well. We'll see if he stays in there, but I think they want Gafford and uh, Washington to start and Lively to come in off the bench and show some energy. But we'll see. Lively has been out as well. Uh, if they want to have him back in, he just hasn't been able to play the rim protection I think they want. But I think between Gafford and Lively, they feel they can have a little bit better uh, guys being, you know, have a little bit more legs in the fourth quarter. And the rebounding for Gafford showed up there. P.J. Washington goes 4 for 11, 0 from 5 for 3. He's got to find himself there. But I'm not, I, you know, you're not writing anything off on those two trades. I think still think the Mavs needed to do something at the deadline. And, uh, you know, we seeing Gafford seems to be paying off now. Now we know his big issue in Washington has been consistency. So can he keep that going? P.J. Washington as well. If he can go pick it up, uh, help this team out. But it's nice to see them get a win with Doncic only scoring 26. Even though he still guts a triple-double, he did not have to do everything, which is what the core has been uh, and the problem has been with the Mavs is Doncic has to do everything for them to get a win. Uh, he still does a lot, but uh, some help out there from Gafford in that game for sure. And the Spurs get a good road win, the first road win of the rodeo road trip this season, 122-99 uh, to over the Raptors. Uh, Devin Vassell is a good game. He has to, for the Spurs, be able to compete. But the story was Victor Wimanyama getting a triple-double of 27 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 blocks. He adds five assists to that as well. One of the only players to have a stat line like that, I believe the only person to have it like that with him is Akeem Olajuwon. And if you take the numbers down to the fives, uh, then that also means that David Robinson is in that category of guys who have had those types of games, but elite company for that. And I saw this tweet earlier as well, which is an interesting point on uh, on what Victor Wimanyama really brings to the game and why it's such an anomaly to have him. Uh, Andrew Lopez, at underscore Andrew underscore Lopez, uh, says, in last night's triple-double, Wimanyama scored, recorded his 75th three-pointer, 150th assist, and 150th block of the season. He's the first player in NBA history to have 75 threes, 150 assists, and 150 blocks in the same season. And it took him 48 games and even more mentioning a lot of those with minutes restrictions because of his ankle injuries. That is a, a amazing feat that you're seeing. And it's not so much that you're kind of picking, picking and choosing the stats as that there's never been a center with the size and defensive ability that he has to be able to block shots, to be able to alter the defensive game at the level he does that is also a superior passer and has the offensive uh, ability and IQ to be able to find the players, be able to keep the ball and, and get the ball where it needs to be for assist, get the ball where it needs to be uh, to continue to you know get guys open. 
and find guys on a team and find guys cutting and pull himself out and then bring in the fact that he can shoot the three-pointer and that shot's been getting better as the season goes on of him getting more and more comfortable with that three-point shot in the NBA and that's been going up which allows for more assists because guys are cutting and if Victor Wembanyama's pulling out their tallest guy and their rim protector out to the three-point line they're getting easier baskets to the paint it has definitely been something that you, we are seeing uh, just the beginnings of a very unique player who can do a lot of things, but his defensive presence with those block shots and how he can block shots without very much without having to jump very high, and that allows him to get two or three blocks on a possession because a guy normally, if you get your shot blocked, you kind of can go back up, and that guy's either coming back down or he's unable to get back up for the shot, and women Yama's hands are just up. It's a different type of game where guys are going to get more used to it, and there will be different ways to go against it in offense, but if you're having a game plan for an offensive game plan against a Victor Wembanyama every single time out, it just seems like it's going to get uh, more and more painful for other teams as he continues to get better. But you know, just another one of those pieces to build the the case for him to be Rookie of the Year and a possible case for Defensive Player of the Year as well as he keeps going. It looks like those are both things that if he stays healthy and if he continues to play at this level, he could get both of those pieces and looking good for the Spurs that sense of building. And they're trying to find, I think the Spurs are finding more and more what works around Victor Wimanyama and gives them a clear path in the draft and free agency and trades, what they need to do to build this team going into next season. And they could take a big leap next season, uh, kind of knowing more of what they need to have built around him, where I don't know if they had the best ideas going into it because no one has seen, as we just said, those stats I just read off for you, that's never happened. And he did in 48 games. You don't know how to build around a guy that you don't know what he's going to be able to do. And so they just didn't know this season. They wanted to play it safe and not get pot committed. You know, people are mad they didn't go out and get a point guard. But do you really want, you know, Fred Van Vliet, a high-paid contract for him for four years if he doesn't work out? And that wasn't the right case. So, they, you know, they waited a season to figure out what to do with it. And they could take a big step. It's not going to be hard to take a big step because they're not doing very well this season. Uh, they could take a big step next season. The Rockets are in a good place. The Mavs are in that that middle ground where we're going to see what P.J. Washington and Gaffer continue to do uh, in that trade. But all three Texas teams looking like in the next few years it could get competitive and those rivalries could come back out again. If you want to watch some NBA tonight, uh, a couple games on TNT for you to check out. The Thunder are at Magic. Uh, this is a fun future of the NBA. Smaller market teams. Uh, they have a, they, you know, they've taken a lot of draft picks recently. There's a lot of talent on both of these teams. Uh, OKC is a little bit ahead. They have the fifth, uh, they're fifth in the NBA in scoring offense and third in field goal defense. They're just ahead of a Magic team that has trouble scoring at points. We'll see if Franz Wagner is going to be able to get out there and score some points uh, when he plays well offensively. That team goes a lot better. Uh, Paolo Bancaro has been pretty good all season as long as well. And then you also be able to see the Kings and Suns, which should be a shootout. They're both offensive teams, two of the best offensive teams in the uh, in the NBA, uh, Kings and Suns. That will be a fun one tonight on TNT as well. Uh, let's get to the Big Fat Poll today so we can get to the text line. What do you say about that? Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day today. 512-447-3776 is the text line. We'll get into the NBA there's some talk now because we're past the Super Bowl. It's draft time in the NFL, and the big talk now is in between now and the draft, will the Bears keep the number one pick? Who will trade around? Who wants those top one, two, three quarterbacks in the draft? Who wants to get up and get a Marvin Harrison Jr.? Who needs an offensive lineman up there? But the question is for you today, and it's simple because it could be the answer of who's already there. Or you could say someone else is going to go up and get it. But who will be the number one pick? Who will be picking number one in the draft? Who will pick number one? Not the number one pick, but who will pick number one in the draft? Which team will have the number one pick going into the draft? Do the Bears keep it? Do the Bears say, all right, we're going to move Justin Fields? There's interest in Justin Fields that the, the Falcons are basically saying, we'll take the number one pick or if Justin Fields, we just need a quarterback. And you guys are now at the place to have two. So we want one of them. Is there, you know, you know, the Steelers? Do the Steelers call up and say we don't know what we're doing at quarterback? We'll gladly take Justin Fields because we feel the price is lower than the number one pick, and you can keep Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever you want. 
Is there another team that's going to – are the Vikings going to enter that conversation? Do the commanders try and trade up one to get their guy because they got Cliff Kingsbury now and they say we want to get Caleb Williams? Do they trade up to number one and the Bears get to decide again at number two? Who's going to have the – who will pick number one in the draft? Who will have the number one pick in the NFL draft as we get there? Let me know on the text line, 512-447-3776. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Start getting to the text line and get to a little hook em up replay here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Sports Complex of the Horn. Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn. Keeping it rolling. Text lines open 512-447-3776. Pick that poll today. Who will pick number one in the NFL draft? See some good questions on there you want to talk about? We can get into those as well. Uh, we'll get into those in just a minute as well. I appreciate you guys texting and Keep them coming. 512-447-3776. We'll keep the show rolling right along. I want to get to a uh, hook em up replay here in a second as well. I do want to tell you about one of the great contests we have over at hornfm.com. Uh, the Carbach Round Rock Classic is back at the Dell Diamond at the Horn. Has your tickets February 23rd through the 25th. Some of the best college baseball outside of Omaha. The Round Robin Tournament features Kentucky, Texas State, Washington State, and Kansas. So you can register now on the contest page at hornfm.com to win a pair of three-day passes to the game out at the Dell Diamond. It is a great Time to enjoy some college baseball and get into the baseball mood because we're getting closer and closer. So check out the hornfm.com uh, contest page for all the info on the event and your chance to win three-day passes. Go ahead and check that out. All right, let's get to uh, so hook them up replay for you guys here on the Sports Complex. And uh, this morning they were talking a little bit about uh, the Super Bowl a little bit more and the Chiefs defense, which... Again, put up uh, really, really good numbers. And as much as we saw Christian McCaffrey put up 160 against them, uh, combined yardage, Debo Samuel was pretty much held in check. And George Kittle was pretty much held in check. And they did their job in overtime to make sure that Patrick Mahomes didn't have to go for two, which they kept talking about. And I'll talk a little bit more about in the 5 o'clock. But I want to play a little hook em up replay here uh, from the guys E and Rod B this morning. It's a hook em up replay on the Sports Complex. All right, let's break down this Kansas City defense because on the rewatch, uh, I'm even more in, in, impressed with Steve Spagnuolo. And we don't talk about this enough either. I know we talked about Spags a lot, um, Ian and I did, prior to this matchup because we were giving him his flowers and he deserves it. But we talk about Andy Reid being the best head coach, play-calling head coach in the league. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. Brett Veach, best GM in the league. We've given him his props. Is there a better DC than Spagnola? I don't think so. So they got the best DC too? Okay. <laughs> Resume would tell you it's, it's pretty strong. Yeah. Spagnuolo is a defensive coordinator. I agree with you. I agree with you. Especially now that Belichick's out of the game. I mean, he's not coaching more. I don't know if there's a better – you might argue that's not a better defensive coordinator in the game. You could say maybe Mike McDonald from what he did. But he's not, he hasn't done as long as Spags. Yeah, I mean, he's done a really good job in the two, two years he's been defensive coordinator. But Spags has been doing his thing since 2000, what, 8, 2007? Talk about him going on, you know, 15, you know, years, double two decades of him being a really elite defensive mind. So let's talk about that defensive game plan uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs versus San Fran. And I'll, you know, I, you guys have heard me say this over and over again. You want to win a big game, you better break tendency. Because everybody's studying your patterns, your trends, your habits for that, especially that two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, the biggest game, but any big game, they, what teams are king on are the patterns. The king on trends. 
All right. What are your habits? What do you do? What, what are your strengths, your weaknesses? And they're going to build game plans around that. All right. They're going to build game plans to take away your strength. They're going to build game plans um, based on what they do well uh, and what to avoid. Right. What to avoid and what do you want to try to emphasize? And once again, Steve Spagnuolo, giving him credit, he broke tendency at the perfect time. So first of all, the Kansas City Chiefs usually play, they, they blitz a lot. We know that's just, that's part of Spags' DNA. Spags will blitz you. We talked about that even before the game. But he usually will play more zone behind his blitzes than man. It's usually pretty split, you know, but if you want to look at it overall, he's going to be more zone behind those blitzes than man coverage. That was not the case in this matchup versus San Fran. I think San Fran probably expected him to play a lot of zone behind those uh, behind those blitzes and those exotic pressure packages. He did not. That was the first tendency breaker. First of all, if you go look at man coverage rates, let's look at man coverage rates uh, versus teams who played San Fran. Uh, the highest man coverage rate for a team that played San Fran was from week six. It was Cleveland. All right. Cleveland played man coverage against the 49ers in that game 71% of the time. If you go look at uh, a lot of these coverage rates and a lot of the blitz rates, it looks like Spags wasn't his game plan was inspired by Jim Schwartz's game plan in Week Six when Cleveland, at the time they were the best defense in the league, uh, when Cleveland played San Fran and they beat him. He talks about how he watched that game, um, and Jim Schwartz he had to now he has the personnel to do it because he has some of the best defensive players in the league, including Miles Garrett. Um, but he was able to throw a lot of exotic pressure uh, looks at um, Brock Purdy, but also he took away the easy completions for Brock Purdy. And zone coverage gives you easy completions, right? Quick routes, hot routes, the quick out, the quick slant, all those kind of easy throws for a quarterback to get him in a rhythm, to get him in a groove, to keep them confident, all right? And you can tell Spags never wanted Brock Purdy to get into a rhythm. Never wanted him to get into a groove. Never wanted him to feel confident. Man coverage forces that quarterback to be accurate. Now he doesn't have to. He didn't have to. Uh, he didn't have to process as much because man coverage is easier for uh, a, a quarterback to identify. But ball placement is the big challenge for a quarterback when you're facing coverage as sticky as Kansas City Chief was going to play. So if you look at man coverage rates. Cleveland highest man coverage rate versus San excuse me highest man coverage rate versus San Fran this year seventy one percent that was from week six the second in the Super Bowl Spags sixty four percent man coverage rate second uh, highest man coverage rate against San Fran all season long if you go look at lowest zone rates well that also tracks right it's the second lowest amount of zone coverage that Brock Purdy had seen the entire season, second most man he's seen all season. And, yes, only the week six matchup versus Cleveland had a lower zone rate and a higher percentage of man coverage rates. Let's go look at, and it was different types of man. That's the beauty of it. So you can play man, but if it's the same kind of man every time, it's man single high or two man under. You can play zero man. You can play a lot. There are like four or five different types of man coverage you can play. All right, a bunch of different. You can bracket man. Lots of different man coverage you can play. And he, he threw all of them, all the different types of man coverage you can throw at Brock Purdy to force him to always have to focus on ball placement with sticky coverage. They, they, if you look at two-man percentage, two-man is basically when you play two high shell, two deep safeties, and you're still playing man coverage underneath it. Usually that means you're playing man under. Man under means I, I, cut, I undercut every route. I'm just going to jump every route. Cause why not? Because I got two deep safeties over the top. So my, my, my deep ball is defended already. The deep routes are already defended. I need to take away the underneath stuff. It was the, if you look at it, it was the third highest two-man uh, two, uh, percentage rate that the 49ers had seen all season long. It was the third most. Uh, only Pittsburgh in week one and Tampa Bay in week 11 played more two-man coverage, two-man under than the Kansas City Chiefs did. So really high rate of two man under. Uh, if you look at just cover one, cover one, so we have a single safety in the middle of the field. So you got a single deep safety in the middle of the field, but you're playing man coverage every everywhere else. And that usually means you, leverage is going to be your friend, right? You want to use the sideline. You want to play inside leverage. If you go look at highest rates of uh, cover one that San Francisco's offense had to face, 
Week 6 was the highest at 61% on Cleveland. Uh, week 11 against Tampa Bay was at 41.9%. And then right behind that, third highest cover one rate that the 49ers had seen all season long. So they played a lot of cover one. They played a lot of two-man under. But here is probably the biggest key, the biggest tendency breaker of all was that San Francisco saw the second highest rate of cover zero. Now, cover zero is the riskiest coverage you can play. There ain't another riskier coverage in football than cover zero because you got no help anywhere. There's no help inside. There's no help outside. There's no help over the top. You get beat, you'll beat. That's usually when you get big, chunky, or you can't even trip and fall. You trip and fall, your guy's going to be running wide open. It is just you, mano y mano, all right, and no help at all. And this is a risky coverage, but like I just gave you all the reasons why it can just be a simple, you know, a guy, they feet get caught up, you slip and fall, mm, a guy just beats you really badly. That can end up being a touchdown or explosive play. So you're walking the line, all right, between defensive disaster and defensive delight. And nobody walks it better than Spags. So if you look at zero coverage rates, uh, the highest zero coverage versus the 49ers, highest rate of zero coverage uh, versus the 49ers, was actually in week, yep, it was Super Bowl. The highest, you know, coverage rate of zero coverage came in the Super Bowl. It was a 21.4% zero coverage rate, which was the highest that the um, the 49ers had seen all season long. Uh, in week six, Cleveland was at 9.7%. Uh, week 13, Philly was at 13.3%. Uh, week three, the Giants against San Fran, they were at close to 18% zero coverage rate. Uh, so it looks like Spaz was inspired by watching those performances and that he decided that his DBs, he had a lot of trust in his DBs. You've got to, to have almost a absurd, preposterous amount of confidence in your DBs to play that much zero coverage. And it worked. Because of zero coverage, it makes the job of the quarterback even tougher because he knows he doesn't have time. Because every, every defender that's not in coverage is coming. They're coming. And that's why his blitz rate was so high. Kansas City blitzed on 27 of their uh, snaps. They played man coverage behind 23 of those snaps. So you're talking about a, the fourth highest blitz rate under Spags as a DC. So we're fourth highest blitz rate he's had since he's been calling plays there with Kansas City. And he played mostly man coverage behind him. Kansas City generated a season high. Nine unblocked pressures in the Super Bowl. They hadn't had that many unblocked pressures all season long. All right, and they were all on cover one blitzes. All on cover one blitzes. And Purdy actually wasn't terrible. He was 12 and 19 versus the blitz, 131 yards, one touchdown, one sack. But they kept him guessing. He had no idea where the pressure was coming from. And guys, even though he didn't get sacked or didn't throw an interception, he got one sack during that blitz. But even though he didn't have a lot of bad negative plays, he missed so many. So many open receivers, and he was off on at least two or three money down throws because of the pressure and because of the exotic blitz scheme of Spagnola. So you got to give Spagnola a lot of credit. That was a hell of a game plan. It was one of the best game plans I've seen all season long, and he broke tendency at the right time. He took away anything easy for Brock Purdy and made Brock Purdy have to beat them, and he couldn't. Uh, it's one of those things. If you know it's coming, you have a chance to beat it. But he, it was out of nowhere, right? It was totally a, a surprise to yep. what they probably expected. And that's really what the game is about, right? You you know, Kyle Shanahan built a game plan for what he thought he was going to see uh, for mm -hmm. Brock Purdy. And Steve Spagnuolo gave him something totally different. Reminds totally you different. a couple of years ago when Bill Belichick did it to Sean McVay, right? And Sean McVay had to admit, mm -hmm. I got out coached, man. He, I got whipped today by Bill Belichick. Uh, Spagnola, I think, did it to the, to the Niners in that case. And, yeah, three for 12 on third down. Uh, and all of those big money downs, it was somebody in his face yep. making things happen. Good stuff right there with Rod Babers in uh, the rant. That is why the Kansas City Chiefs have won another Super Bowl. Their defense has become elite, and we've talked about that all year, just how sticky they are in the back end. And to your point of you know the confidence, look, Rod, you, the last thing you want to do as a player is get toasted on a big play in the Super Bowl. Right, <laughs> and he kept putting his DBs in that position. That man, if I, if I, as you said, stumble, this is six points, and I'm going to be looking like a clown in front of 200 million people. Yeah, got me running wide open. Like, what happened with that coverage? But it never really happened. No, they didn't, and that that gives you how, how well coached they are, how confident they were, because they were really great. Good stuff there. Hook him up with Ian e Rod B. 
Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will get into the text line 512-447-3776, the big fat poll today. Who will be picking number one in the NFL draft? Do the Bears keep it? Do they trade it? Who trades up to get it? Let us know on the text line. Who will pick number one in the NFL draft? Let us know on the text line, 512-447-3776. We'll get to that when we come back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on the Horn. Back in the Sports Complex on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, hope you're all having a good Tuesday. We're, we're recovered now from uh, from the end of football in the Super Bowl and an overtime game and a lot of fun was had watching that game. I hope everybody's back. I'm on board that the, the Monday should be a national holiday, but Tuesday we got to get back to it and start talking about the draft and everything else. And, you know, it's basketball season. I know not everyone is as big a basketball fan as I am, but uh, – but, uh, you know, you, you can get into it. You can enjoy it. Uh, man, Chan on the text line. Text line's open, 512-447-3776. Uh, says, the state's involved uh, in the college ball playoff and March Madness championship to declare a state holiday the next day. They should. I, but I, the problem is, those need to move to Sundays, too. I, I know that the Monday, and they think it's the big. Move that to a Sunday, too. And we can all enjoy watching it without having to work all day and then go to the game. And then the next day we have to work too. It takes away some of the enjoyment of it. Let us have it to where we can cook and we can get all the stuff and be mentally ready for it. And then that Monday's the holiday. I'm with you, Chan. I'm all for more holidays, though. You know. I think that's what they say about my generation, is that we don't, uh, we don't work hard enough. I mean, I'm here. But <laughs> I'm all for more holidays. Believe me, I'm all for more holidays. Uh, tech side's open, 512-447-3776. Uh, big fat poll today. Who will be picking number one? Will the Bears keep the number one pick in the draft, or do they and move on Justin Fields, or do they keep Justin Fields and and trade down in that pick? Uh, that is a question. Who goes up to get it? If that's the case, we know the Vikings and the Commanders and and the Raiders and and the Steelers may be interested. There's a lot of teams. The Falcons are interested. There's a lot of teams that may be interested in it. Uh, do they go for that pick? Do they move it? Do they do they keep the pick or do they move it down? They're also saying it takes a historic haul to go get Caleb Williams, which may be more uh, what they're trying to sell and not what they what's the truth, but we'll see. Uh, text line, uh, we get someone says, Cowboys and Mike Zimmer, I believe this is when you say we will talk about it, and I will talk about uh, some of the Cowboys and Mike Zimmer playing into that in, uh, in the 5 o'clock. I have something that we're going to do about that, uh, so we'll get to that. Uh, we talked about it about a little bit yesterday, but I want to talk a little bit more about it because uh, we had a texter yesterday that said I had a lot of Cowboys hate. So I'll get into why I don't have Cowboys hate, but what my viewpoint is of what they need to do and why they're not doing it. And uh, I'd like to see them try. I'd like to see them try, but I, I got a text yesterday saying I had Cowboys hate, which I don't. Uh, but I, 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 I thought about that. So I, I have something to say about that in the 5 o'clock when we talk some football. We'll get there. Uh, texter says, Trey Young to the Spurs. I know someone talked about that yesterday or the day before someone texted in uh, about Trey Young to the Spurs. I don't see the fit as well as some other people do. I think statistically the fit makes sense. Uh, but uh, again, in the roster management of the Spurs, you you kept Devin Vassell. He's playing well right now. He's getting more and more used to playing with Victor Wembanyama. They're playing off of each other better and better. And I don't think Vassell and Trey Young play together. I don't think they work well together. I think that's more in the same sense of when they thought DeJounte Murray would play well with them. I just don't think Trey Young is a guy that necessarily you build it like he's a very hard guy to build a team around uh, and then tell him, go ahead and take 35 shots in a game. We don't care because that's what you're going to do because you think every shot's a good shot, even though they're not. He plays, he's really good. He does a lot of things well. Uh, but I think, you know, when you also look at Victor Wembanyama, his usage rate is really, really high, highest ever for a rookie. Uh, and then if you talk to him about guys like Luka Doncic and a guy like Trey Young, uh, you have to kind of put guys around them that fit. I don't know if you put two guys with really high usage rates uh, next to each other, if that automatically gets you the win. 
Uh, in my book, it doesn't. I think there's other pieces you want to get. Also, I'd rather go out and try and find the you know the harder pieces to find, which are six nine ring defenders and and guys who can play really good defense on the on the perimeter and on the edge. And a point guard like Trey Jones, you can keep. I think Trey Jones may not be the next guy, but a point guard who can play that's a long point guard can play really good defense against a one or a two, and then a wing that can be a three and D guy. Those are the pieces, and and you know you have to figure out what you're going to do with Jeremy Sohan because he does have good games, and then he, he you know he's inconsistent, but he's also really young, and those will happen in those young games. I'm I'm not sold on him yet uh, of really wanting to be a hard nose. I'm a basketball player, or if he wants to be a star, and I don't know if those two can coexist because I don't think he has, I don't think he has natural star talent of that he's going to be the next big star in the league. So then you get into that, can he be Draymond and tempered enough on the court that it's not a problem? Or is he Draymond where he's going to cause problems and cost you games and, and get suspended because he has to be in the spotlight? That's the question you ask of him right now. He's too, it's too young to tell. Uh, but if the Spurs know better on the inside what they're looking for and, and what, they, uh, what they want to get. Because if you get Defensive Player of the Year, Jeremy Sohan, then great. But if you get, you know diving into the crowd and then eating popcorn and I'll I, I smile at the camera. He's like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't need smile at the camera guy. I need a consistent, you know, 12 points and a consistent eight to 10 rebound. That's what I need from you. And I need consistent defense against guys who want to bump against you instead of backing down and you play decent perimeter, but not on the guys that want to bump with you because you don't want to bump. That's what I need more than that. Uh, next texter says, uh, so Michael Jordan's son and Scottie Pippen's ex-wife finally broke up all these years and Jordan still can't get a ring without Pippen. Uh, I like it. I like the joke. It's a solid, it's a solid line. I, I think, I think we can figure out why they broke up is the same reason I did not know this news is once they were out of the news cycle and once, maybe it's just cause I don't work with Rod anymore. And Rod was the one who kept me up to date with these kind of things. And, and, and I, I don't necessarily keep up myself with the celebrity drama too much. I'm, I'm, not my uh, not my area. I go too far into the uh, right guy from New Mexico says uh, as a Steelers fan, I would love to see them either trade for Justin Fields or trade for the number one spot. I'm not a big Caleb Williams fan, but he's definitely better than anything we have currently. And I think that that's really uh, I think if you're in the Steelers, I think Justin Fields would be an interesting pickup because it's a little bit less. They also could do the thing of trying to trade into that second spot, and we may go into it a little bit. The third spot may be open as well, but Drake May might also fit what they want to do, uh, and so they may not need to be fully on Caleb Williams to say, "Well, we're we're fine with getting Drake May." That's a you know he'd be we think he'd be just fine in the Steelers organization. They may like that, but they may like somebody a little bit later in the draft as well uh, for the Steelers. But I do think they have to make a decision. Uh, at the quarterback position, and I and I don't know if you can go out and try and get Kirk Cousins. There also is a different, you know, they could look at Russell Wilson. I don't know if his Steelers fans want to think that either, but Russell Wilson is a guy who may be a veteran enough that you put him with a Mike Tomlin that's a little bit more hard-nosed and can kind of control what he does a little bit better, and you put him into that system, maybe he, maybe he can figure out uh, in the the Steelers' culture, a little bit better to go than when he went to the Broncos, unless they very uh, set culture of Pete Carroll and went to the Broncos where they were trying to find themselves a little bit more and didn't know what they were doing. He came in, you know, without the coach he needed and and everything else, and it was just kind of an utter failure. Is that a place where Russell Wilson could end up, where you, you're waiting another year to figure out if you're done with Kenny Pickett experiment completely? Uh, or if he needs just needs a little bit more time to get there, if you're done with the Mason Rudolph experiment, they may go and just try and grab a Russell Wilson if he's available and not that expensive. That's another option the Steelers could go with. Uh, my man Nate says, uh, number one has to be Chicago, while Lightfield, he isn't a good QB. He's all right. Uh, I, I, I think that they should kind of move off it and take the number one quarterback. Uh, unless you get a really good haul from the commanders, I think if you get a really good haul from the commanders, you move down to two. And I'm fine with you still moving on, and you can still move on from Justin Fields and still get a Drake May. And I don't know if that's the worst thing in the world either uh, for what you want to do. And you may be able to get a historic haul. I think that's kind of, I think they'd like to have that option too. Uh, but I don't know if that'll be available for them. Uh, and and I can't make jokes. You know, Rita Ballou and, and Bob Ballou are not, they're not married. You know that. You know, those, those are two different Ballous. Two different Ballous completely, Nate. <laughs> 
Uh, Texas says, hey, thank you for playing Rod Baver's stuff in the morning so often. Uh, I can't always listen to them in the morning. And Rod, talk about uh, some of Steve is some of the best stuff. Yes, uh, I always lo- love listening to Rod, and that's you know one of the reasons I love playing him and Aaron in the, uh, on the show here. Uh, it's, you know We like giving them some shout-outs and, and what they do. They do five hours a day. There's always a lot of great content. You can listen to it on 6 to 11, but not everybody gets to it. And so we play some here in the afternoon. You know, it's, you know, it's just me in here. So uh, we give them a little bit of time to shine as well uh, to keep the show a little bit more rounded, a few different viewpoints, and we love to have your viewpoints as well on the text line. Uh, we'll get to one more text here, and then we'll take a quick break. Uh, text says, uh, Hawks fan here, Trey and Wemby would be a great pair in my opinion. Trey is the best job passer, best lob passer in the league, and resolve a lot of the Spurs spacing issues. I, but, I mean, where is he? whose job is he taking is my question because – if you're saying he's taking Vassell's, that doesn't help. And again, he's a lob passer, but that's not, you know, I, I, I think that paying a guy a max, a super max contract because he's a good lob passer might not be the best. But I, don't, I think there's a lot of things he does that would go well. I think there's also things that would be a negative of it, where if you can get someone who can do some of the things he does well without having to take 30 shots a game, 25 to 30 shots a game, and be a bulk scorer, I think that that would work out a lot better, and that's what I'm saying is I don't I don't think that Trey Young's a bad player. I just think that Trey Young is a guy that you kind of have to revolve your team around. I don't know if he would work as hey, we need you to be a distant number two. I don't know if he falls in that Manu Ginobili, uh, Tony Parker role, and maybe he could. Maybe he could transform his game. I just don't see him being the guy to say no. Sure, I'll take second fiddle at this point in my career. I think he thinks he can still win MVP, and he ain't winning MVP if he's playing with Wimby. At least not on a Spurs roster that wants to win anything. That's just the case. It is in my viewpoint. Uh, appreciate the text. So keep them coming in. Big fat poll today. Who will have the number one pick in the draft? Which team will get it? Will it be the Bears or will someone else trade up for it? Let me know. 512-447-3776. When we come back, little college football news, little Texas news, something that's good for Texas as well in there. Uh, and we'll get into a little bit more talk. And I'll talk about the Cowboys and Mike Zimmer. Uh, just something I was thinking about, uh, thinking about one of our textures yesterday, because I do think about you guys. Uh, we'll get to that when we come back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.